What is up designers and welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast. I'm super hot, I'm super sweating in this car and so I'm going to make this intro really short. Uh, This podcast is about design. I don't believe that you can change the world just with marketing and just with any business. It requires the, you know, change, true change in the world at mass requires technological development. There's no way around it. It requires mass. And so people who are coaches, people who sell courses, people who teach online, people who do all these things, you can't change the world. You need design to do so. And I explain why in this podcast episode. Uh, so without further ado, you can go to the theme music. I'm going to turn on this AC and I'm going to relax. If you enjoy this podcast episode, rate, review, subscribe, all that beautiful stuff. Peace out. How do people like us, the visionaries, the creatives, real people with real ideas, people who don't have mass budgets, platforms, or teams, and people who live in this noisy world dominated by internet gurus, influencers, and big brands, the people attempting to make a dream on our own dollar, how do we get our ideas to pierce through all the noise in not only a massive, but a massively profitable way? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dallas, and this is Grand Design, the podcast about taking the ideas in your head, pushing them out into the world, and informing mass movements. What is up, designers, and welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast. Um, I just decided to pop in real quick today to continue that last episode I made super, super, super important message in this episode that kind of brings it full circle um, that everybody wants to be a marketer. But and they see, you know, the identity as marketer as the end all be all, you know, they see that as the vehicle that best changes the world and impacts people. And a lot of people will be limited in their impact and in the change they bring to the world because of that because the identity of marketer and the activities that marketers as a role partake in is just one part uh, one minor part of a very very important two-part equation and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in this episode today Um, I'm sitting in the car it's about a hundred degrees it's actually 99 degrees here in Los Angeles and so I'm kind of baking but I came down here because I have to finish a product that I have for the summit that's coming up in a few weeks um, at survivingcancel.com. It may or may not be up by the time you hear this podcast. It'll, it likely, it'll be up tonight, okay? Um, not the registration page, but something else. You can go check it out. But yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, I feel like a lot of people in society, particularly nowadays, um, they believe that you know, a lot of marketers want to be thought leaders, even beyond thought leaders. They want to be influential. They want to be impactful. They want to change the world and they want to change people's lives in a real and visceral way. You know, they want to be like Steve Jobs. You know, they want to be like a, you know, like a Bill Gates, like an Elon Musk, someone that's really changing the world in a manner that is inescapable. Like their change in the their footprint on the planet is everywhere, you know. I see a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, marketers say they want to do that, and a lot of people believe that they can become these people by, you know, like they can they they can 
first off, grow the idea that their company is representative of. So I guess grow their company to that magnitude one and grow their impact to that magnitude by marketing and branding. And I want to say in this podcast episode, I don't believe that's actually true. You know, a lot of people say it's not the thing, it's the marketing of the thing and things like that. And so to me, that idea is suggestive of the fact that people believe that if they market, if they market hard enough, if they brand hard enough, if they, you know, if they work on their efficiency of, uh, if they optimize the efficiency of their business and all the metrics and all the numbers, they believe that they can become a thought leader or or uh, someone you know someone that's on a mega level of impact like Steve Jobs or like Elon Musk and leave their blueprint on the planet. And I'm saying, I you know that I just don't believe that's true. And what had led me to that conclusion was I was watching a video as I explained in the last podcast episode by Steve Jobs. He was speaking to some kids at MIT. I definitely recommend you uh, listen to the episode. And he was he was describing a company that who's you know who's uh you know whose uh actions suggested that 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 was their belief patterns you know he he said this 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 company you know they had more money for their marketing budget they had greater sales teams greater systems and all these things like that and the MIT kids was like hey Steve Jobs so what do you recommend what are you going to do about it and he said I guess we'll just have to build a better product and that really set the light bulb in my head as to what the importance of products were not even just products i really want to call them designs because this is a grand design podcast and we contribute designs to the world okay and uh that really just set a light bulb in my head that and i really want to explain why in this podcast that you can market all you want but unless you come with a greater design you can't you can't really change the world you'll be limited in your impact and you'll be limited in um you know the change that you bring to this world you know, you will never receive, you know, uh, receive change on a high. Uh, you never promote change on a high um, to a high degree. Okay. And so the reason I say that is, you know, you see it, you go online and you see a lot of different stories and different tales. It's all really funny enough for, you know, for the very lowest level, it's all variations of the same person. Okay. So they'll literally be carbon copies of let's say Gary Vee or Russell Brunson, they'll use the same mannerisms, same language, same stories, you know, same quotes, same posts, wake up at the same times, all the same advice, and then they'll have the same product as these people. They'll sell a course or something like that. On the other hand, you might step up a level and they've really like spun, like they've, they've spun an entire brand that, that, you know, that really was branched off from anything that we've ever known. And so, on that level and really what you see most prominently online is a huge diversity of stories and personas and personalities you see a huge diversity of tales in an effort to market that all lead back to still the same products and so while the ad will be different the podcast will be different the person will be different the way they operate will be different it will all lead back to the same product because a lot of people believe it's not the thing it's the marketing of the thing that the vehicle doesn't matter you can chain mass as long as you spin and market and brand hard enough okay so they have all the same stories leading back to the same products they'll still be a social media marketing agency they'll still be a course provider they'll still be a coach or a consultant or um you know generally just something like that 
And so in this podcast episode, I want to talk about, I keep saying in this podcast episode, I want to talk about really why that just doesn't work. And a lot, why a lot of these people will, they, they'll make a lot of money, but they'll still be mid-tier and they'll never change the world in the ways that they should. I might, I might dub this something like the design equation, but, um, uh, whatever. Without further ado, let's, let's, let's proceed on. So here, here, here's a, along the lines of what I'm thinking. I was listening to this podcast episode back when I worked the 4 a.m. night shift at Target, and it really didn't mean much to me back then, but it means a lot to me now. I think it was Hal Elrod, um, speaking on that podcast episode, and I, I'm not not completely sure on this. It was like a bigger pockets podcast episode or something like that, and he was talking about uh, you know. The over-reliance of discipline in the world as opposed to changing the environment, okay? He said that discipline was a thing of the intellectual mind, okay? But that our daily habits, like discipline is finite because it is a thing of the intellectual mind. And that in fact, our daily habits aren't really guided by, by the information that we have the abstract information that we have in, in our forebrain, but rather when you get to the lower brain and some of the primitive and instinctual drives that we have, that's, you know, really what we're run by. Okay. And so he said, because he doesn't, you know, our bodies, no matter what our brain knows, wants to follow. I'm kind of paraphrasing all this, by the way, in my own words, because I don't really remember besides the very bare bones of the story, what that podcast episode was about, but I'm just kind of paraphrasing. And so, you know, Despite what our forebrain knows and the knowledge and information that we have, you know, our bodies as primitive as animalistic beings will always take the path of least resistance. And so instead of relying on a concept in the forefront of your mind, such as willpower, that you have to consciously admit, you really want to work with, you know, uh, the environment to kind of set up. You kind of want to want to uh, incentivize your primal instincts to take the action that you want it to take. Okay, you change the environment so that you know when your biological drives kick in and try to run you, the path of least resistance is the path that you wanted to take anyway. Okay, and so what exactly do I mean by that? In the podcast episode, he was talking about, for example, waking up in the morning. If he just wants to wake up in the morning, he sets an alarm, you know, his the forefront of his brain, what he knows in his in his knowledge base will immediately when the alarm wakes up and says, I should wake up. It's time to get up. Okay. But like I said, we don't always listen to you know our our the you know our intellect like literally our intellect is kind of like useless. Like we don't really listen to what we know and the knowledge that we know to be true and helpful for us. Okay, and so you'll wake up in the morning and you'll cut that alarm off if it's right next to your bed uh, because that's what the biology does. The biology wants to follow the path of least resistance, and it's easier in that moment to cut the alarm off and go back to sleep if your body, quote unquote, believes it needs rest than it is to get up in the morning. And so what do you do? That path of least resistance is the path that you'll take most of the time. That's what your bi- your biology will always default to that path, even if your intellectual brain knows differently. It's kind of like... You know, you know that you should go on a good diet, but the biological job says eat that cheeseburger. And so most of the time, you know, you'll default unless you change the path of least resistance. 
like you put all healthy food in your in your um within your refrigerator and in your house your biology would default to that food because it's easier to do that than to actually go and get unhealthy food you understand what I mean? And so what he suggests is instead of relying on your forebrain, instead of relying on your willpower and your knowledge, just alter the path of least resistance so your biology, biology defaults to what it is that you want to do. And so you wake up in the morning and instead of putting an alarm next to your bed when you go to sleep at night, you put it across the room. Okay? So the path of least resistance is altered. When you wake up in the morning, it is easier for your biology to get up and go across the room and shut that alarm off that won't allow you to go to sleep. Uh, than it is to just go to sleep with an alarm ringing in your ear. And so by force of nature, you'll have to wake up. You'll have to wake up. And in those brief moments, maybe your the forebrain, you know, your knowledge base can take over and start making a little bit of more rational decisions. Okay. Um, so the entire point of this story is this. Let me just put it in a nutshell because I know I'm like rambling a little bit. The entire point of this story is that your what you know what, what your intellectual mind, what your prefrontal cortex knows is not necessarily the path that you'll take. It doesn't run your habits. Most people's lives are driven by their biological drives. It's driven by their primal instinct. It's driven, driven by you know, wanting the most reward with the least amount of effort. It wants to take the path of least resistance every single time. Okay, now back to, you know, what does that have to do with you know, the marketers and what I was talking about before? Here's the thing. Marketers, what they, the tool that they use is that they shift, they, they, use, they utilize stories to shift, the belief, to shift the beliefs of people with the intention of a sale, okay? Um, and the entire premise of that is a lot of people in society, a lot of business owners, a lot of marketers, they believe that they can change the world by shifting what people in the world believe, which I think that is very, very true in some instance, maybe even a lot of instances, you know, for example, um, with, uh, what, what was it? Um, like, you know, back in the day in, in, uh, the Eastern world, wherever the heck it was, you know, a lot of people were poor, a lot of people were suffering. And, and when you shifted their belief from, which I guess is still technological too, um, when you shift their belief from the idea of we have to be in this capitalistic or this uh, you know, whatever system it was, and we don't have to do this. We can we can be in a socialist system. Um, when you introduce the idea of socialism to them, essentially, then suddenly there was revolutions because that environment was extremely harsh, and there was a lot of punishment. And you know, the path of least resistance just by changing ideas was uh, to cause a revolution. So the world changed because of because of shift in belief, because of shift in ideas. Okay, that, that's what prompted people to action in that situation. And so it is true sometimes. Changing people's ideas in a lot of cases do change, you know, the way, you know, the habits they'll uh, develop as life proceeds. Okay. But what I'm expressing is that in like most cases that that's really not the case. The way you change people is through technology. And I believe that's the only way. And I want to explain. So. It's like the example of waking up in the morning, okay? You know in the forefront of your brain what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And it's the same with, 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 with these businesses. They're telling all these stories and, t- then, and then they teach. They teach information. They teach knowledge in their courses and in their coaching and things like that, okay? So the problem with that is that 
the entire premise of their business is based on changing beliefs. It's based on adding information to the prefrontal cortex, to change, adding information to the higher brain, adding to their knowledge base. Okay, And as I discussed before, I don't believe adding to the knowledge base can change the world because that is not what drives most decisions that people make in their lives. Is this kind of making sense at all? And so I can teach you, for example, uh, a lot of people you know, want to lose weight. There's an issue in the United States, I don't know if worldwide, I don't even know if this is a real issue. I've heard there's an issue in the world with obesity and being overweight and things like that. See, the thing is, a lot of people in the world have the knowledge in the forefront of their mind that, you know, they know they know how to diet in essence is what I'm saying. They know exactly the steps they need to take in order to lose weight. And those steps are pretty simple. You burn calories and you don't intake calories like it, it's it's pretty easy you know as as far as i know it, or some variation of that and so people have the knowledge they need to do to maintain their weight but what happens knowledge and the things that are working in the forefront of your brain doesn't necessarily determine what you're going to do right and so despite that everyone has that knowledge it's basic and common knowledge you know the route the routes that pe- people will opt to take are very very different because their biology and their primal instinct drives them to do so And so uh, someone in their business will come along. Maybe it's a health coach or something like that. You know, they're making courses and they'll teach people. They'll give them knowledge. They'll give them more knowledge, but just different knowledge in the forefront of their brain. That's what I'm talking about. They're marketing the same idea. They're telling different stories to cause a new shift in belief. But at the end of the day, it's just adding more knowledge to them. So they'll tell stories and market the same idea into the point where it's recognized as something different. It's no longer just losing weight or diet. It's the keto diet or it's intermittent fasting or it's the pescatarian diet or it's veganism or something like that. It's just the same idea marketed differently, okay, until the point where it becomes, and you know, it's, it's you know, a little more specific, a little more niche and things like that, but nonetheless. So whereas knowledge was failing people before, where a lot of people think they're making change and impact is that they're giving them, they're giving people in life more knowledge, which was already useful, useless to them in the first place. They're giving the people who are struggling with what they do more information. And that entire business model is based on the assumption that the prefrontal cortex, that the higher brain, the human inside of us, is running the show. When that's not true. Because most people still, they're going to default. Even though they know better. Even though I know better, I still do this. Primal instinct takes over and I go and consume something that I probably shouldn't no matter what I've learned historically okay because no matter the knowledge that I have it's hard to to act on it because the path of least resistance goes in the opposite direction okay a lot of people want to be environmentally friendly they think being green is a good thing and cleaning up the world is a good thing but it's also a difficult thing and it doesn't align with what our primal instinct what our biology wants Picking up trash manually, you know, driving a Prius, you know, it's it's not it's not exactly what people want. Okay, it's a little more difficult to enact. And so, why I think that marketing is necessary, marketing is cool. I think you can't really have significant impact and change on a Steve Jobs, on a Bill Gates, on an Elon Musk level until you enact new technology, until you provide the world with new technology. Because I believe it is my opinion that technology the purpose of it is to change the path of least resistance 
okay? It literally, while every information, all the information that you give speaks to the primal brain, technology, what it does, I mean, all the information you give, excuse me, speaks to the forebrain, the upper brain, the you know, the technology that you build, give, it alters the path of least resistance for the primal brain. And it gives people an easier time in acting what it is that they believe in or acting upon what it is that they believe in. And so people, you know, they want to be clean. They want to be environmental, environmentally friendly. And so it's tough for them to do that uh, because the alternatives or the ways in which, you know, they can do that are the, the options are pretty bad. Okay, so they know what to do. They know they want to do that, but they can't just drive a bike everywhere. They can't ride an ugly Prius. And then when you come to something that's more societally acceptable or something that's more pretty, like maybe a Tesla, ah, suddenly it starts to make sense. They can do that. Elon Musk is, I think, I think the third richest person in the world, fifth person to reach $100 billion, all on the basis of this idea because he introduced an idea, monopolized that idea, and then provided technology to speak to the biology that drives us. Does that make sense at all? And so if you want to change the world, you have to literally change people's habits by speaking to the primal instinct. And that's literally what design is all about. You have to have the stories, but you have to provide people with design that speaks to the animal that runs us all. You have to make it easier. I mean, I used this example in my IG story the other day. That's kind of like my sounding board for these podcast episodes. And I want to add a trigger warning. Um, if you have like any sort of triggers and things like that, you know, you know, everybody might think that's like snowflake, but I, I care about people regardless of what, you know, what I personally feel or whatever. I care about people. So trigger warning this is your chance to leave this podcast episode. If you get triggered by anything in the world, I don't, it doesn't really matter what it is. Okay. So for example, like people who want to commit suicide or something like that, right? Um, they want to die. In essence, that's, that's pretty much all they want. They want to die. Okay. But a lot of people don't commit suicide because despite what thoughts might be going on in their forebrain, uh, killing yourself is still a, a very difficult thing to do when it comes to primal instinct and biology. Okay. And so most people don't kill themselves. But let's say you add technology to the equation and suddenly the path of least resistance is altered. When you add a gun to a household, the suicide rates within that household more than triples. Okay. Because technology made the path of least resistance, it altered it. It made it more easy to, to adapt. Okay. And so while it might be difficult for, you know, in terms of primal instinct in the lower brain, to, you know, um, kill itself, like, let's say with like a knife or something like that, you know, the higher brain, uh, wants to do it, but the lower brain is rejecting it because the path that it's trying to, you know, to take, to, to, to get that job done is just too tedious, but suddenly, you know, someone that's already in pain, you give them an easy out or easy way to do it via technology, they default to that path. Because now with this pain uh, and with this solution, it sort of kind of makes sense biologically. Does that make sense at all? Like, I don't want anybody to take this dogmatically. These are just some of the thoughts that I've been having. Um, whether this is true, whether it's false, uh, I don't really know. This is just some of the things that I believe. Okay, even think of like, you know, like I said, uh, the, the, you know, the increase of obesity in the world. 
You know, there were probably times in history where it was a caveman. He was like, oh, you see that wildebeest over there? I want to hunt that wildebeest. But uh, fuck it, I'm not hunting that wildebeest. I, I could starve today. I could, I could skip a day because, you know, the path of least resistance, you know, it's easier to not eat today than it is to chase him. I don't really need him right now or for this hour or for this span of hours or whatever it may be. Um, similarly, like, uh, you know, so so you come 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 forth to the modern world and we have a rise in obesity because, you know, whereas it was it was very difficult to hunt animals uh, and you could skip a meal because it's easier to, to to not skip a meal. That's the path of least resistance. It's very it's become very easy due to technologies like refrigerators and stoves and things like that to go in the kitchen and cook a meal. It's very easy. The path of least resistance has been altered. And so despite what it is that you know you should do, maybe you should skip that meal. Maybe you should uh, eat something different. You always default to the path of least resistance because that's what your primal instinct does. And technology has allowed you to do that. And it has developed even further. Technology has developed like developed to the point where, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm hungry. Uh, I shouldn't eat something bad right now, but I can just hit a drive through. I can just order something on my phone. It'll come straight to my door. The path of least resistance has to been has been altered. And most of the society has, has started to uh, default to that path. And it hasn't really been going well for a lot of people. And for some people, it has been going beautifully. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have to say in this podcast. So um, marketing is important. But if you really want to change the world, design is necessary. Design is essential. And you can't skip out on that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. So, I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode, designers. I'm going to work on a summit. I am sweating, like, literally, like, so hard. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. I don't know how many of you actually do it. Uh, listen out for the summit. And uh, I hope to see and speak to you on there and soon otherwise. I don't know. This podcast episode is over. Peace out. True or false designers, ghost riders in the modern era are completely outdated and no one should ever use a ghost rider again. Okay, now look, I understand everyone wants to write a book because it is the most effective way to build tribe and community around your central ideas in a profitable way. I understand that. It is the best way to push your ideas out into the world in the form of mass movements. And this is throughout history. Think of the Communist Manifesto. <clears throat> Think of the Bible. Think of Mein Kampf. You know, every time you see an entrepreneur, ask him, how did he get started? He'll say, rich dad, poor dad. You know, he'll say, think and grow rich. The best way to induct people into your tribe is through a book. And there is no denying that. But a lot of people, they turn to ghostwriters because there is a gap between the ideas in their head and the words on paper. And that gap is filled with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And I understand that. These are some of the things that I've experienced. Tell me if this is familiar for you. Man, writing my first book, it was just like a soup of ideas in my head and I didn't know where to start. Is that something you've experienced? Like it's like ideas floating around and you don't really know how to structure it. Is that something that you've been through? Like, where do I even put this in this chapter? Da, 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 da. And then all these blogs, they make a freaking outline. No one wants to make a freaking outline. You know, I could spend that valuable time I spent making an outline actually writing the book. How about that? Another thing is time. 
no one has the freaking time to write a real book like you know what i'm saying like uh you know you have business to take care of or or work to go to or family or actually life to enjoy that's not sitting at a freaking laptop you know, well, no one wants to spend 365 days of the year, the entire summer, sitting there two, three hours a day crunching in words on a freaking laptop. It's completely redundant. It's ridiculous. You know, um, that's just even daunting to think about. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months to put a book together in one that you're not even sure how to publish or market yet. It's an insane amount of work for nothing. And another reason is that some people just might not be good at writing just simple and flat out is that something that you've experienced like think about it like sometimes writing is just freaking hard and not everybody was born a writer no one's born and so for these reasons for these reasons people turn to these writing coaches and these ghost writers but and this is coming from the position of a former ghost writer who's ghost written for people with businesses okay uh they never really get what they're asking for and the reason for that is this and tell me if you've experienced this like also have you worked with a ghostwriter and they've given you something back and you're just like eh well there's like a hundred percent of my clients probably have felt that way throughout history and the reason is because ghostwriting is like playing a game of telephone you know when you tell somebody a phrase and then you tell another person and you tell another person and by the time you get back to the line you probably played play this in high school by the time you get to the back of, you know the last person they say the phrase and it's something completely different when you pass your ideas through the mind of another human being those ideas will not come out their mind or come out there in their writing without being tainted by their own mind. It's like telling a painter to paint your girlfriend and giving them like descriptions and things like that. Um, not really going to work out. You'll probably still accept it like, eh, this is the best we can get with the system that we're using, but it's not going to be the product that you actually asked for because it's coming through his perception. And because of that, ghostwriters are flawed. And I say this and I admit this as a ghostwriter. But I have good news for you. We're not living in the 1800s anymore where we need scribes. <laughs> you know, we don't, ghostwriters should never be used by anyone on this face of this planet after this year. You know, you know? so I have a solution for you. This is the way that we do it at Memoir Launch. Think of your book, whatever your book might be, however big it might be, I don't care if your book is 500 pages long. That's a big, time-consuming, expensive, and complex thing. And on top of that, ghostwriters like to cost 25 grand for the subpar work they do, okay? Think about your book, 500 pages is a massive, complex thing, right? Now, I, I like to be challenging, so I believe we can get your book done from cover to cover for way less expensive than a ghostwriter. And exactly in your voice, crystal clear, 100% satisfaction, in a span of seven days or less now you might be like uh that's kind of impossible no it isn't we don't live in the 1900s anymore. we live in the future and so how do we do that at memoir launch the way we do that just to keep it simple and not too complex we rely on voice writing technology we rely on you know machine learning artificial intelligence to take that gap between the ideas in your head in actual text and shrink it like we like we crush it into a span of seven days through new technology and methods let me explain to you how this process kind of works. you have these soup of ideas in your head and you don't know how to organize anything from anything we get a little specialized team for you maybe one or two people and we do an interview series with you to bounce back and forth and kind of organize your ideas in a way 
that's actually like uh, it reads well one and step two it's actually effective because a lot of books you put them out into the world and they're like no one cares about them it's like you know they're not effective because those are books a book is like a letter what we write for you is called a sales memoir i'm not trying to get too complicated so i'm going to just completely explain this very briefly a book is like a letter a sales memoir is like a sales letter sales memoirs are the books that indoctrinate your audience and makes them join your tribe by default books like 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 i said dot com secrets you read dot com secrets by russell brunson you will become a funnel hacker because it's structured in that way most people write read the bible they will become a christian most people in the 1940s they read the communist manifesto because of the way the ideas in the book were structured and you will become a communist but how it is how is it that we structure our ideas in a way that reads well and place them in a book in a way that also indoctrinates so that's step one it's a small little interview series you know you kind of just talk about everything that you like <laughs> you know you, whatever you rant about on a daily basis you just rant to us a lot of people describe this process as therapeutic or whatever and after we do that entire process we take the audio and all we do no matter if your book is 200 300 400 pages long we just feed it to the ai and immediately it pops out something that does not require a bunch of freaking editing from a freaking expensive editor because these editors are ridiculously priced it doesn't require a $25,000 ghostwriter it doesn't require any of that so what happens after that well you get your manuscript first and foremost and second that same team comes along with you in the third phase of the process we publish the book for you and then we begin to work on a little marketing campaign to actually get that idea in your head out into the world in a form of a mass movement okay like all the thought leaders in the modern world has how tony robbins has a book how russell brunson has a book how frank Kern, everyone has a book and it's following this same strategy and process they has they have now you might be thinking this is too good to be true uh <laughs> you know go see for yourself you know, if you're interested in this process, if you're interested in being part of the memoir launch beta, and it is in beta, and because it's in beta, you're getting a very, very, very one-time extreme discount. But if you want to be part of this beta and potentially get your book done, because it depends on your schedule also, in seven days flat, perfectly in your voice, and deliver it to your house in a hard copy and published, then just click the link in the bio below of any of these podcast episodes. It'll be a link to like a website where you can join the waiting list. And when Memoir Launch is ready to launch, we'll start calling people on the waiting list. It's first come, first serve. And so if you sign up late, well, you're going to get called pretty late. Um, but sign up for the waiting list. It'll be a link below. It'll be the only link below. And uh, once you sign up for the waiting list, we'll be in contact with you shortly and we'll help you launch your first sales memoir to the world okay well uh i don't really know if i have anything else to say about that sounds like a cool process though right well this is uh dallas from memoir launch and i just explained to you the best way to profitably push your ideas out into the world in a form of mass movements so like i said if you're interested in that click the link uh here in the podcast notes in the description whatever you want to call it and man i really 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 uh the business you know the mission of this business there's a handicap you know on writers in the world there's a huge gap between id and text and a lot of people are handicapped they can't clear that gap 
And it's the mission of this business to invent technology that erases that gap once and for all. So I want you to be part of this cause, man. I really look forward to speaking to you. I look forward to working with you. I look forward to like knocking this out of the park and welcoming the future with open arms. So I'm not going to go on on and on, but uh, like I said, if you're interested in being part of the beta, if you're interested in being part of the future, um, click down below. Uh, for the beta also, the entire process of marketing your book, um, designing campaigns to actually launch that thing out to the world, completely free by the way, completely free. And so click down in the bio below. It'll be a link down there. Uh, without further ado, you know I suck at closing things out. This is Dallas from Grand Design and from Memoir Launch. And I look forward to speaking with you and actually helping you get these ideas out, man. Peace.